Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by Union Digital Bank a fully digital bank with a mission to empower every Filipino everywhere by providing easy access to digital financial services for consumers and businesses. Union Digital Bank partners with startups to co-create financial products to meet the needs of their customers. Contact Union Digital Bank to explore how they can power your platform with embedded financial services. For more information about Union Digital Bank, please see their website at www.uniondigitalbank.io. Stay updated by following them on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Also by Shoppable Business, your number one source for procuring products for your business in the Philippines. Discover authentic branded products online. Shop bulk, save big, and secure authentic products with official sales invoices at Shoppable Business today. And also brought to you by DragonPay. DragonPay is the pioneer in alternative payments in the Philippines. DragonPay is the reigning fintech of the year in last year's Philippine Fintech Festival. Sign up now at www.dragonpay.ph. You know exactly who to invest in if the founder has many stories about their conversations or interactions with would-be customers or prospects. In fact, that's the only thing as a founder that you need to be able to do early on, which is to keep on talking to customers and then getting those insights and then putting it into your product. Welcome to Hustle Share. 
the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beethyong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Share Podcast. It's our fifth anniversary season and it's February already as we're already uh, releasing this and man uh, t- uh, during our anniversary season it's not just any random anniversary season this is the time when we bring in the heavy hitters and it starts today because we got one of them as we will be talking about the hustle behind FDev and all the other hustles that he's involved in because a, he, this guy has a, a lot of hypens in him but without further ado, let's welcome to the show, Mr. Xavier Marzan of FDev. Hey guys, Xavier, happy to, to be here. There you go again. Been We've been, what, three years? This yeah, is man. three years in the making. I, I know, I know, a long you. time coming. Yep, I remember meeting you in the middle of the pandemic, or at probably the start of the pandemic. It's like, man, I got to have this guy on the show, former <laughs> CEO of Gcash. That's all I knew. And then you talked about... We, I met you as an angel investor mm, uh, at, mm. the, at that point on, and you were just literally, I think, just starting out with FDev. Right. But before right. I get carried away, Xavier, I need to ask you the million dollar question. Xavier, what's your hustle? Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Uh, thanks again, uh, Ron, for, for having me. All right. What's my hustle? So I have uh, two answers to that. Uh, number mm. one, obviously, is FDev. Okay. So our, our mission today is to help digitally transform enterprises, right? Nice. That is a hard thing to do, uh, especially, <laughs> you know, in an emerging market like the Philippines, where right. most businesses are, are actually lagging behind digital transformation, right? So yep. the, this one uh, hustle that we're working on, uh, and then the, the other is, you know, I, I've always been very involved in the startup ecosystem, right? Um, so I'm still sort of collaborating, advising with a lot of startup founders in tech, obviously, mm-hmm. um, in helping them get from zero to C or zero to one. There you go. Amazing. Again, we're going to be discussing that every... This is going to be one of the amazing episodes I can already tell. But before I get carried away, Xavier, I need you to buckle up real quick because this can be a bumpy ride a little bit because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share time machine. All right. Now, again, this is always the most interesting part because no hustler has done it on his own and did not go and scrap and claw like any uh, that like majority of us. Now I want to understand Xavier again. We always talk about hustling as mm. as the finished product, your opinion or at least a, a very solid product now. But I want to understand the origin point of you coming coming through hustling, wow. right? Um mm-hmm. what was that like growing up? Um what was the very first inspirations or exposure mm. that you had in hustling early on in your life? Right. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. So you know Ron, I I grew up in the Philippines, right? Nice. Uh, despite, you know, some U.S. accent here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I was born here, went to undergrad here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after, uh, after graduation, which is actually towards um, Internet 1.0, right? okay. it was around that time. Dot com. And go. not only that, right? Uh, it was, uh, 
almost during the uh, dot-com bubble bursting. Ooh. Right. During, before or after? Uh, just before, just before. So, okay, so well, okay, I lived so through that. Let what me, is uh, that like? Yeah, hmm. let me uh, just quickly go through that. So I, I started out in management consulting, right? Mm. With uh, Accenture, did that for a couple of years. Nice. Uh, then actually put up my own digital agency back then. So this was <sighs> early 2000s. I was already hustling as an entrepreneur, trying to scale up, uh, which was then a relatively new idea. Which in, was? In, in providing digital services to traditional advertising agencies. Mm. Obviously today, well, when you talk about a digital agency, you know, like probably it's, it's a dime a dozen. Right. Um, but, but back then, a lot of traditional agencies have not heard about, you know, things like email marketing, SMS marketing, you know, websites. websites right. So we were, we were really early. Um, okay. so did that for, for several years, actually, until I went to the US. Right. But, mm. um, my first inspiration in tech actually came from my work doing management consulting because a bunch of the, client engagements that I work with, uh, we're all related to tech. Okay. And immediately I saw how tech can actually impact not only a large enterprise government, uh, but also, you know, the lives of individual people. So that was my, my first foray into tech, right? And then, of course, uh, with my, my own digital agency back then sort of went into the, uh, the trenches, nuts and bolts with, okay, how is tech implemented in different organizations, right? Got it. But at the same time, you know, we, we also have personal ambitions, right? Uh, it just so happened that mid 2000s, right? My wife, uh, was also seconded to the US, uh, to do work mm. there. And then yeah. at the same time, um, I was thinking about going to graduate school. So I think gotcha. uh, timing-wise, it just so happened that we were lucky enough to go to the U.S. Uh, for both work and, and studies. Right? Got it. And I saw um, it on your LinkedIn. Um, you're a blue devil. There, you're, am, you're a dookie. There you go. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm blue-blooded. I'm blue-blooded. Yeah. Uh, blue, blue eagle and then uh, blue, blue eagle devil. and blue dead. <laughs> and then there's this one guy who... Have, oh, yeah. It's a... Uh, Shoot the guy from Mosaic. He's the UNC guy. So it would be uh, nice to have you guys both. Brett Doyle. <laughs> Brett Doyle is a UNC grad. And you being a dookie, I'd love to have you both in a room. Yeah, sure. There, there's a few uh, dookies as well uh, here in the Philippines. And then also nice. tech. Oh, amazing. But I want to understand before we talk about you migrating and of course, hustling in the US because that's a totally different grind, right? Mm -hmm. Hustling here, being an entrepreneur. Yep. It's double the hustle when you go to the U.S. But at the very first start, again, a lot of entrepreneurs, when they come in, they don't get it at the first try. Mm. There's relatives, uh, you know, flashes of success. Right. But it re a lot of the most successful founders, let's just call it what it is, mm. fuck it up in the first, uh, yeah. first, first yeah. try, right? What were the challenges you had to go through? Because oh, you're, you're yeah. very, very early in your time, right? right Digital right. agency. What does that even mean in the 90s? Yeah, yeah. People didn't even know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. What were the challenges you had they, to go through? They, to be honest, initially, our our client roster were all based out of Silicon Valley. 
Uh, because oh. some of my partners were also based uh, out of California, right? Uh, and, you know, we, we started it um, late 2000s. Uh, so obviously come uh, 2001, you know, the, the pipeline actually dried up, right? Mm. So we had to uh, pivot, right, in a big way. I still didn't know what pivot was back then. Right? We still didn't <laughs> well, you're, you're that term, it. but uh, <laughs> uh, what we said was we needed to survive, right? Um, and we tried to leverage on the same skill sets that we had internally. We had our own dev team, et cetera. Um, and just focused on emerging market or Southeast Asia-based uh, clients, right? And, you know, we we grew... Uh, in an amazing way back then, because uh, our clients were brand names, right? From you know Ooh. BMW to Microsoft, HP, um, even Shell, etc. So a lot of enterprises from Singapore, Hong Kong, right, who wanted to get into this digital realm, right? Mm. Again, this was the first version of it. Um, yeah, but but we helped them do that, right? And you know, at the end of the day. And this was also one learning, right? You, you need to get the right people on the bus. You need to have the right partners. Uh, unfortunately, uh, after I think it was uh, five to seven years of doing it, right, and and growing the the organization, uh, we we decided to close shop because the other partners uh, had different priorities. Yeah, and it's hard. Uh, and like what I said, I always been saying this, and like credit. Simon Sinek saying this, uh, or I forgot who I got it from, that startups is a team sport. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how brilliant you are. Even if you think you're LeBron James of, of the whole thing, if, totally. you're answer- totally. if you surround yourself with people who are not com- all in or is a mismatch with your skill set, magic won't happen. What you're going to end up feeling like is that you're literally pulling everybody in the back. You're going to feel like Atlas, that your whole world is uh, with, uh, with on your mm-hmm. shoulders, but... You can only do so much uh, yeah, yeah. To, yeah. To, to, save, to, uh, to save a hard to do that. Right. It's always Correct. about the team, right? Together, exactly. everyone achieves more. Exactly. That's correct. Now, all right. Now, let's talk about the U.S. grind. So now yeah. you're in the U.S. Yep. You're, you're studying. And at the same time, when people study there, most of the time, it's, it's, it's you're studying and working at the same time. <laughs> it's hard to just study and not do anything else in, in between. So right. one, one thing I'm now looking at here is that you you, uh, you went to Duke. And w- mm. the very first thing that I see in your LinkedIn is the AOL grant. Yep. You were in the new... In the, in the empire state of mind in New York City, being the director of corporate strategy and development. Walk us through how you got into that uh, oh, path. Wow. Yeah. So back then, going through business school, the the space that actually intrigued me the most was venture capital. Right. Um, so I actually went through a lot of courses, classes around venture capital, MA, restructuring, etc. Um, but obviously, um, VC back then was uh, like a white boys club, right? Yep. And uh, you know, exclusively, <laughs> right now, <laughs> exclusively for um, you know one or two, so graduates of one or two business schools, right? Correct. Um, but but I, I wanted to get exposed to the space, right? So okay. I, I think I was uh, also lucky enough to uh, find an opportunity working within the Time Warner Group. 
right? I mean, big conglomerate, big conglomerate media, right? And, you know, lucky enough, I was also assigned to work on the internet division, which back then was AOL and everything related to AOL. That was also the time when we were transitioning the organization from just subscription and infrastructure and bandwidth and broadband into things like content, online advertising, yep. ad tech. AOL music. Right? So, there you go. <laughs> so I did. Yeah. So I was involved in a lot of global initiatives, but primarily to um, invest and acquire startups um, mm-hmm. that would augment the group's capabilities. Right. So we did. My my sweet spot was transactions between twenty five million to fifty million dollars, right? So, themes. This is two thousand six to twenty ten. That's yeah. a huge chunk. Yeah. So, and and we we work with founders, founding teams of about ten to thirty people, okay. right? Uh, and, and that's actually where and and I love working with founders, right? Of course, and, and their teams. It just gives you a lot more energy, new perspective of of the world, right? And, you know, working and learning from uh, those founders and CEOs uh, of these tech startups just brought me a lot of insight into, Mm -hmm. you know, number one, how can we help grow the startup ecosystem in the Philippines, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then secondly, what... What do these startups need in terms of funding and investments, right? And I've always, you know, Ron, I've always had this mindset of coming back to the Philippines. It was just a question of timing, right? Got it. And, you know, my wife and I wanted our kids, right? They were born in the U.S., but we wanted them to grow up here in the Philippines to get to know the the culture and our values, right? Uh, And also be able to make an impact here in the Philippines. And that's, that's why, you know, after working for several years doing um, investments m a with startups for a global organization, mm. you know, decided to come back, which was about 10 years ago already. Yep. And that's what we're going to be talking about. But I just want yep. to go deeper here on, on this grind real quick because mm. what I want to find out when you are acquiring and assessing startups and the startup mm-hmm. founders that you, right. you again, are, that you're probably scouting to acquire for AOL, yep. right? And especially with the background in the VC hat that you had. What I want to understand is, did re- did it really change from how mm. VCs assess founders before or to founders now? I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. there's things that are the same and things that change. But what was the right. mindset like or what was that process like yeah. in really doing DD for each startup you, that you would yeah. probably consider even acquiring? Yeah, yeah. So... Great question. Um, so the mindset and the perspective that we took as part of a large global organization was how can this startup help us, mm. right, in achieving our broader ambitions, right? And, and the ambition back then was for the Time Warner Group, right? Obviously, media empire is yep. to get from being sort of a giant in the offline media space, traditional media space into the tech-enabled media space, right? So, you know, driving social media, things like that, digital media, 
communities, etc., and even um, online advertising. So, so when I was uh, in the U.S., I would actually consider myself to be an ad tech expert, right? That's, ah. that's uh, where I started, right? And you know, there there are um, I can talk about that later as well because obviously I had to transition from that expertise in ad tech to fintech. being fintech, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah, that, that's that's such an amazing grind. And you know what I love about your 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 journey this early on is that when you people come through, you went to the U.S. with the sheer intention of going back. Mm. Because let's just let's admit it. I'm going to the U.S. Literally, as we're recording this, I'm going tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. Right. And I've I've met a, a a bunch of Filipinos there, but there's there's this kind of Filipino, whether it's first gen or second gen, mm. when they migrate. This is what's sad. Mm. Uh, what's sad is they there's a certain brain drain that happens. Yes. That very they're true. still Filipino, but you don't want to come back anymore. Mm. Like that's behind me. I'm never coming back. But you had that mindset. Why? Mm. I think at the end of the day, we wanted to leave some form of a legacy, right? And to me and my wife, that legacy is not in the U.S., right? It's back home. It's back yes. home in the Philippines, right? Yes. It's where like most of our family is. I, you know, I have to admit, like half my family, both sides of the family, right? Mothers and fathers are also in the U.S. And mm-hmm. I hear this stuff all the time, which is, you know, I don't want to come back anymore. And Correct. I've heard it since I was young. Mm. Right. But uh, to me, uh, instead of saying something like that, right, to me, the answer is always sure, there are lots of challenges being here in the Philippines, right? Traffic, et cetera, mm. government, et cetera. But instead of just having your back face it, right? Correct. You face it head on, right? And, and say yes. to yourself, I want to do something about it, right? No matter how hard it is, no matter if you don't actually succeed in doing it, as long as you do something about it. Yeah, it's active participation. And that's what, what's what's missing. Because what's sad? I'm not saying there's nothing wrong because mm. hey, circumstances yeah. are all different, of course, right? Of course. Um, if, you, if you have a better opportunity to have a better life somewhere else and you, you escape all the, the, the stuff that you have to deal with here, why the hell not? But what I, 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 I admire so much people who have that choice, but choose to come back and be an active participant in solving the problem, right? Because ima- just imagine how much amazing Filipino talent are out there, mm. but they're not here. That's right. Right? That's why the sea turtles, uh, the ones that are the people that have uh, acquired great experience overseas, just like you, that came back and starting companies, mentoring other people, especially, especially the locals, the ones that don't even have the opportunity to get access to the type of stuff you guys access mm. uh, get, get access on is just amazing. And that's paid it forward. And that's what led you to now mm. start G, uh, uh, going back. Go back. And I want to understand. So now you came back and you got yep. into Gcash. Ah, and obviously, right. you became CEO at one point. But what drew you back and why Gcash? Mm. Yeah, so probably a year before coming back, right? I already started to give feelers to some mm. companies here locally, right? Um, and, you know, I even spoke with a lot of the 
quote unquote owners of the different conglomerates, right? Got it. But obviously, I wanted to make sure that I work in tech, right? And back then, you know, 10 years ago, there weren't a lot of choices back then in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, the technology space. But telco, right, was actually equivalent to tech right? yes. back then. Yes. So, and, you know, I, I met up with uh, this amazing person who was with Globe before, Peter Bethos, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was previously the chief operating advisor for Globe. Right. And he focused on the consumer side. And I would actually credit him, right, as the engine behind Globe's turnaround, right, into yep. becoming a market leader. Right. Yep. So I joined his team, right. And, um, you know, I worked on several special projects initially because I also wanted to get back into obviously the Philippines, getting to know the culture again, what the trends are, right? How's the market going? Um, So I worked on several different things. And one of the things that I worked on was actually LTE investment, right? So the very first LTE investment in the Philippines was part of my baby, right? I I remember piloting, piloting LTE, right? It it got very... It's not very similar, though, to startups when when we say pilot, right? Yeah, but but that's an spe- play though. Yeah, this is this is uh, spending uh, millions of dollars already yeah. just to put up uh, a few dozen LTEs, right? But it started remember, in Rockwell. Started in Rockwell. Yeah, I remember vividly. I forgot who I was discussing with, but. 3G was the norm back then. Like, oh my God, I'm so mayabang. I have 3Gs at one point. And, uh, but then LTE became the thing and it was only available in certain pockets mm, within that's right. That's right. BGC, Makati, yeah. that area. You urban, only get that. Highly urban right. areas. And highly dense also. Yep. Mm-hmm. So th- that's that was you. So thank you. Because if not, we would be stuck in the dark ages with bad internet and we can't even load anything. So... <laughs> Wow, what, what what was the prep and what, what what was the grind like? Oh wow, putting getting that out. Yeah, very 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 different from uh, sort of software. Yeah, right? uh, obviously you you had to go through a lot of investment committee discussions, right? Your typical big capex investment, but right. you know that also uh, actually helped me appreciate how to work with boards, um, how to work with. Uh, external shareholders, right? Because you you had to onboard them on uh, a lot of your yep. key decisions, etc. Uh, and again, that was working with uh, this guy Peter Bethos, right? Mm. Yeah. And how did that then lead to uh, mm, the path exactly, of FinTech? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So so okay. When I when I joined Globe, right? Um, Pete, Peter, and I already had this uh, discussion where. You know, after about a year, year and a half, I would already join one of the tech subsidiaries, right? And obviously, given my ad tech background, I had thought that I would actually help lead one of the content or digital media subsidiaries. And you, you know of a few of them, right? Yep. Uh, they are still there today, right? So that's what I thought. Then... When the time came when 
uh, we were choosing, uh, actually they were choosing where to sort of rotate me. Uh, they said, Hey, you know, there's this, uh, little company called uh, Gcash. What? <laughs> Which, uh, you know, we've had since way back when. Right. Uh, and it was primarily sort of uh, an international remittance play, right? Uh, sending through SMS. We want to refresh that business, right? Um, and, you know, we needed someone who can actually work and shift the organization's mentality, right? Into something that is startup-like, right? Mm -hmm. Because number one, you had to refresh the organization. Number two, including the culture. And number three, you had to develop new products. Wow. So that was the, I would say that was the start of the shift. Right. Um, and to be honest, a lot of the people who I worked with back then, uh-huh. you know, some of them are still working with me today. Uh, That's because that was, um, uh, that was quite, um, an intense uh, experience as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we were developing new products. Right. Yep. Uh, for example, uh, like obviously before, was primarily SMS and actually yes. USSD. Gcash was an SMS thing. USSD didn't have an app. Driven, yeah. Right. And I also thought, hey, wallet, you know, the concept of a digital wallet, people don't understand it. Right. So yep. it needs to be sort of a physical form. Right. That's why we created the sort of the Gcash card. Right. Yes. G-cash the white one? Card. Is it the white one before? Yeah, or? yeah. It was yeah, it had white. Yes, there was a white version, um, right. and the white version even had uh, sort of the beep capability. Correct, and that was the currency you can only. I remember this when you go yeah. to TGT. The mm-hmm. only the only thing, say for example, I, right. I was a former Kickstarter investee, so mm-hmm. I would partner up with Globe, and when we go to Globe, it's like, hey, I'm hungry. That's right. Okay, you can go to the cafeteria, eighth floor, but I forgot what it was. Mm. But it said, all right, you need to have a GCash card because you cannot yep. get anything if you didn't have a GCash card. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So, so we made it uh, in physical form because that was the insight. I mean, people can't understand. Yeah. What you know, virtual cash means, right? Correct. Um, so, I, I remember talking to many people about this, you know, and, and pitching Gcash, and mm-hmm. they would always tell me, "Yo, why would we need Gcash? We have cash." Look at <laughs> you guys now, <laughs> right? So that, right. that was the you know the starting point. Mm-hmm. So we had to you know establish a lot of. You know, the scaffolding when you're building a building, right? Correct. Um, we had to put up a lot of that. Uh, we had to establish distribution. For example, we had to obviously create a lot of these new different products, which, you know, we don't know which would stick or not, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of the sort of strategies or products that you see today, you know, were already sort of formulated back then. It was just yes. a matter of time, right? Yes, it was a timing thing mm-hmm. all, all, all the while. But a couple of things. So this is where I really am super impressed with what, what you guys have built there. Because a lot of this, that a lot of the stuff that we're enjoying now have been, you know, part of the vision all along ever since. It's just, again, the, the right timing for, for it to, to turn. But I want to understand first, at the very 
you know, essence of the job, mm. Xavier, is to re refresh yeah. and change the status quo. Yeah. When people are brought in to do changing of the guard and changing the status quo, that usually is a painful process. Mm. How were you able to get to change that men mentality, mindset, and even the vision of right. how uh, Gcash was going to be? Yeah, yeah. So I treated it like a startup, right? Mm. So it was a zero to one moment, right? So clean slate. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Despite obviously the quote unquote baggage, right, right well, from the last mm -hmm. uh, several years, right? You know, we we just talked to everyone and said, okay, uh, this is sort of a new time, right? Mm -hmm. Even for the market, right? Um, you see smartphone penetration mm -hmm. starting to increase. Obviously, we were working on LTE things like that. You can see. The OTT over the top trends uh, in the US, Europe, right? So it was just time. Mm -hmm. So we, we just implored the organization to try to capture that value that's being created in the market, right? We forget what's, uh, what's in the past, right? We, mm -hmm. we create new things, new distribution, new products. Of course, you need to bring in new people as well, right? Okay. Now, in terms of, you, you mentioned it, people, right? You can't do this alone. Even if you're, mm -hmm. again, you had the head of the snake and you saw the vision, you knew what to do. Who did, who are the pivotal people that helped you really make this transformative and really get yeah. this done? Because again, a lot of the foundational stuff that we know Gcash Ash, and I think the pandemic was really just the key. That was the timing mm -hmm. that everybody needed for this to turn and to turn into reality. Right. You know, but all the foundational stuff that you said, to the scaffoldings, even yeah. I would even call it trusses already, mm, you know, that, mm. that, that that was there. Who are the people that were very pivotal in helping you lay this foundation for GCash right there? Yeah, well, well, like, obviously, we have to thank the whole Globe organization for that, right? Yep. And, and especially Ernest, who's yep. at the helm. Uh, but in terms of the, the team at GCash, right, I would say it's the product team and the tech team, right? Mm. Uh, without them, we wouldn't have been able to create a lot of the new payment products, right? And number two, sales and distribution. Of course. Right? We, we sort of put the telco sales mentality into Gcash, right? And what we would do is actually sell on the ground. Talk to, wow. let's say, college students, talk to yes. gamers, right? In their own context. And then educate them about this new thing called the Gcash card and what they can do with it, for example. That's amazing. All right. Last question before we take our, la our first break. Yep. I so then Gcash, I want to understand about your leadership style. Because again, startup mentality, build fast and break things type of thing, right? But mm -hmm. how did that evolve then when you were, especially now you understand how it is to run a company .com style here in the Philippines? You did it in the U.S., M&A style. So now there's so much perspective that you brought in. But when you were the CEO of Gcash, what was the leadership leadership style mm. that you in, in, um, implemented? While yeah, you I would um, like I would use the term inspiring uh, mm. and engaging, right? Because you had to paint a vision for the future that doesn't exist yet. Yes, right? and then you have to work individually. 
with the different groups, uh, whether it's sales, whether it's product, whether it's, you know, customer service communications, and even legal and compliance, because obviously fintech has this whole regulatory side of it. Right. right? So it's really sitting down with them and ironing out a lot of challenges on the ground, right? So even if you paint that very general picture uh, and, and vision for everyone to, to follow, you still have to work individually. So very, I was very involved, right, in the many different moves. I love it. All right. Now let's take our first break. And when we come back, we will now talk about the rest of this career and how he was then getting to true money, obviously. And of course, FDev and all the investment stuff that he's doing in Unlock Ventures and everything else. But we'll talk about that more after the break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph that's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We are still with, again, the heavy hitters starting out our anniversary season, Xavier Marzan of FDEV, who then told us what was it like uh, you know, um, building the foundation of Gcash because he was their CEO for 2014 to 2016. Again, very early days. I still remember that those times being in Kickstarter as an investee, really having that card in, in, in the bag. But again, a lot of what you built, the wallet, imagine Gcash not having a wallet and it's in the pandemic. None of this stuff that was able to to to, to balloon that, that would not even work. Yeah. But again, you went from another fintech yep. to, to another fintech. So that walk me through this process because here, here you go with True Money. 
the first time I found out about True Money, I remember I remember this vividly. 2017 to 2018, I founded my second company. My first company Ooh. failed. Chat, uh, Party File invested on by mm. Kickstarter and 500 startups. Lost everything. 2017, 2018, I created the very first chatbot development agency in the country called Chatbot PH. And I remember your guys in True Money inviting me over to your office across Podium. Oh, Forgot the wow. name of the building. You were right? there. Yep. <laughs> and we were discussing chatbots as early as 20, mm-hmm. 2017, right? We weren't able to close it. I think you've, you got a different vendor or you built it in-house. But you are already that Plus, clairvoyant yes. about what, what that, that is. So walk me through that process. Why did you mm-hmm. leave yeah. Gcash yep. or Truman? Yeah, I mean, a couple of, couple of things, right? The situations change. In, in Gcash, uh, that was already the time when the company was considering. So, so we helped uh, uh, establish Mint, right? Yes. Mint was founded. The parent company. Our, our time, right? And the organization was already looking for outside investors, right? And uh, hey, obviously, Alipay. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, that was about to happen. Right. And then at the same time, with uh, obviously an Alipay coming in, the and this was a very good thing for Gcash, right? Because with the Alipay platform, correct, it would enable the company to do so much more things, right? Makes sense. But obviously, the organization would have to go through some years of migration. Of course. Right. So that was, was one instance. And, and the, the second thing is more of a personal choice on my part. Mm-hmm. Because being in Gcash, to be honest, that was the only time when I realized that the Philippines is such an unbanked market. right? And yes. up until today, obviously, we're still talking yep. about it. But back then, when I started, it was 75% unbanked. Ooh. Right, not even underbanked. I think the last several like years, zero, nada. Yeah, so we've uh, it progressed, obviously, right, with uh, with the help of the e wallet and the digital banks, right. But back then, we were talking about trying to serve this unbanked market, right. But mm. but to be honest, Gcash is serves a lot of. Uh, ABC socioeconomic uh, demographics, right? So I wanted to be there where we actually provided financial services to middle markets, you know, CBE segments, right? And where's that? Mm. It's in the rural areas, right? And it just so, so happens that one of the shareholders in, in Thailand before. Yep. Uh, so our shareholders in True Money were Thai. Yep. The big conglomerate in Thailand. Yes. Uh, under mm-hmm. the CP group as well. Correct. So one of them came to the Philippines for a conference where I was speaking about financial inclusion, right? And Makes the sense. fact that we have to do so much more to actually achieve that. Right. Correct. And I was uh, wearing the, obviously, the hat of Gcash. We still had to do a lot more things, right, to change the status quo. Um, and then, yeah, he was saying, you know, we wanted to have some presence here in the Philippines, but we don't know what to do, right? So we started talking after that. Uh, I had to pitch, 
so, so it was like a startup idea. We had I right. pitch what kind of business should uh, we be getting into here in the Philippines. And actually, Ron, the way that I did that was to take sort of our shareholders, right? And then wow. drive them around unbanked areas. What? Yeah, because uh, typically for any any foreigner that's not familiar with the Philippines, all they would see is macroeconomic statistics, right? Like, Correct. you know, majority unbanked market. That's it. Right. right. But when they come here, they would look at, okay, BGC, Makati. Okay, that doesn't look too unbanked, nope. right? So I had to... Uh, that's a 25% right there. Or, or less, or less, right? right? Mm-hmm. So we, we had to tour them to many different areas, right? And I remember uh, even going to Santa Rosa, uh, Laguna, right? I mean... It's not close Nuvali. enough, close not, enough not, to mm-hmm. Metro Manila, right? And if you veer right, obviously it's Novali, very progressive. Go left, Novalibago. But go there left, you. right? Go left. <laughs> we actually saw, right, Ron, we saw a community okay. of about 16,000 households. What? Right? And we also checked what the presence of financial services or quasi-banking presence is in that area, right? We only saw one, I think it was a Western Union or something else. Yeah, or pawn shops. That's all you're going to see. Yeah, but uh, there aren't even that many pawn shops to serve Mm -hmm. the 16,000 household community, right? So they would all go to this one place, right? But in, in, let's say, more advanced markets, uh, the, the banking... Uh, the ratio of, let's say, bank presence to the population is single digits, right? I think it's one to eight or one to 10. I'm not sure. Got it. Something like that. But here, you're talking about one is to 16,000, right? Makes sense. So we, we showed them that, right? This is what okay. we want or who we want to serve. And this is the context of the majority of the Philippines. Right. And obviously that pitch works. Uh that that pitch worked, right? But yeah. that's what I want to understand. So now you got in. It's another zero to one uh thing, right? Yeah. You picked an yeah. office right across Podium. There's really good food there too, by the way. Um mm. I wanna we, Yeah, we actually um the, the office in Podium wasn't the start. Ah. Even uh, spent uh, in the beginning, we even spent uh some months in a warehouse. Right. In uh, somewhere in Pasig near Sea uh, right? Because, wow. Uh, and and we we were there because an affiliate company of ours, which was doing e-commerce back then, had it's this warehouse there. and had an extra space. So we said, okay. "Oh, we'll we'll start setting up shop there until you know we find an office." Right. Got it. And I remember you guys from that point on during that stretch. You were just everywhere putting Tito Boy in every place you can put Tito <laughs> uh, Boy. <laughs> right, 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 right. So walk me through that process going zero to one again. Brand new startup, big conglomerate backing you, yep. a whole market to take on. What was that like? Uh, wow. I, I guess it all started with it all starts with technology. Right. I really wanted to own the ability to iterate on the product. Uh, because even if we had a hypothesis on what to offer the market and how, 
right? Uh, we knew, we knew that uh, things would change in an instant, right? Okay. So first thing that we did was build a product team, technology team, right? And start building sort of a core banking platform or a core wallet platform. And we just did that in under three months time, right? Credit wow. To, credit to the team for that, Amazing. right? Um, and then, you know, towards the end of that cycle, I started building out sort of distribution. Distribution meaning, you know, we obviously had to identify specific locations, specific stores, sari saris yep. to work with, right? Yep. Which would be visible enough, right? And also have the operating cash to do what uh, we wanted them to do, uh, which Correct. is to offer all these quasi banking right. services, right? Because they had to mm -hmm. offer anything from payments to, you know, insurance, even lending in yeah. remittance. They were your outlets, technically. That's right. That's right. So they had, so we had to work with them very closely. And, you know, I, I myself, right. I was on the field actually selling. Wow. Right. I was selling in Laguna. And then after we sort of established a network in Laguna, you'd see me selling in Pampanga, right? Uh, to get yeah. with the salespeople. Because that was also how I, I got to know about uh, the customer and yes. our partner and what, what the insights are in order for us to serve them better and what would work for their customer. Right. And that's what a true startup founder does, right? If you're not willing to roll up your sleeves, be at the front lines, get to talk to to start up to, to, to your customers. It's gonna be very hard for you to build a product because you cannot do that from from the back line, mm, right? Yeah, you you have to be at the front line and pave the way for everybody. Exactly. Else. You can't do that from an ivory tower, right? Nope. Never. And again, dude, you painted the town orange. Uh, mm. Every nook and cranny that I drove, yeah, I'm all I'm a field guy. Type of yeah. guy too, so I, I go through yeah. every spot. Yeah, Either the, Tito Boy's face, yeah. or the, the orange room when he was everywhere. Yeah, the, the, there's a the reason. The, there's a strategy behind that, right? It's visibility, right? Because even if um, you have, even if you have thousands and thousands of locations, but people don't know where they are, you know, mm -hmm. which was uh, my experience in you know the previous fintech, then. Obviously, you won't uh, drum up business, right? Correct. So we really wanted very high visibility. Mm -hmm. Now, a couple of things I want to know before we move on to your next uh, stint here. How big mm. did you go in mm. Crew Money? Because mm. this was super fast yep. as well. And then I want to understand how did that also change you as a leader? Because uh -huh. hyper growth... Yes. Is scary, but people don't understand. Like, oh my God, they're doing so well. They're, they're growing so fast. Mm, yeah, but there's so much iterations from an yeah. organizational standpoint in order to keep that momentum going. It's not mm. easy and it's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. How did that work? Yeah, I would uh, actually call this uh, the messy middle, right? Mm. Uh, very messy. And, and in fact, during the first year, you know, all the potential partners we would talk to, including banks, wouldn't even uh, talk to us, right? Wow. But after a year of building out a couple of thousand locations, right, they started to knock on our door, right? Right. But 
Like obviously that that actually turned me from uh, more of a strategic guy into more of an execution guy, mm. right? Because sure, the the vision is there at the beginning, but the the journey from that point onwards, right, was all about executing, right? So and and that includes. You know, getting getting people on board. Like obviously, we we grew from one to five hundred people uh, in a span of uh, I think eighteen to twenty four months. Right. Oh man. So I would uh, I would always uh, you know, sirasakal ko nga yung HR. You know, like what are the other creative ways we can uh, you know do for uh, hiring faster. Right, because even if we're, you know, you're hiring fast. Actually, right. the the sort of the negative thing from this is because you're moving so fast, not everyone can keep up. Right. Nope. So, unfortunately, you also have to think about the people that you know you you have to let go out yeah. of the journey, out of this journey. Right. right? It, that that always pains me, yeah. right? But um, it, it's something that uh, you also have to do as a as a leader, right? right? But you can be human about it, right? right. And no matter how, how much you 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 found out about it, both that okay, rule of three and ten, that you know systems break as you scale your businesses, mm. even if you had a heads up, nothing can prepare you for when you're already in the thick of it. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. you don't know what you don't know until you find yeah, out for exactly. yourself that oh exactly. my god. And the one thing you can't do is slow down just because people can't keep up. Unfortunately, yeah. you know you have to maintain momentum because momentum is precious. Not every, not everybody, yeah. not everybody come uh, gets it at all. And if you have it, you just need to again it's looking for that balance, which the, when the balance cannot even be maintained. <laughs> so I don't know how how to get it done because a lot of companies that have achieved scale. Uh, that I've had before here and in founders only. That's the common denominator over their problem. Mm-hmm. And that's also the leader's dilemma. No right. leader gets to scale without having to go through painful processes of things falling apart that, oh yeah. my God, I wish I had this guy, this guy still with me, but you know, things fell apart, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Very painful. Very painful, mm-hmm. right? Um, that was probably uh, one of the most stressful situations uh, right. in my life. Right. Mm. I mean, we grew from uh, essentially zero to seven million customers uh, in, that, in that span of time. Right. Amazing. Uh, all of them were were paying. Right. Um, so it was uh, extremely fast. Correct. So you have to make your operations um, sort of aligned with that type of scale, also. Right. And you know, things break every two weeks, every month. Right. In <laughs> fact, the way that we sell like changes every two weeks. Oh my God, that's amazing. But okay, I want to. I'll have a, a bit of a personal question. How did you cope during this? I can. I can just imagine. Uh-huh. I have so many friends that have gone through this, especially the Sunicorns that have achieved, you know, hyper growth because every multiples of thirty to hundred to hundred fifty to two hundred people, dude. That's a whole other crazy stuff you don't you have to deal with, mm. and it takes a toll on them. Yeah. 
And every founder is unique in how they cope. How did you cope personally with these things? Because again, it's painful and you can't just detach and just say it's just a job. This is your baby. You created yeah, this exactly. from the start. How did you cope? Yeah, um, I, I think, you know, my family, I have to thank my family and my wife for that. Uh, they've been extremely patient and accommodating, um, you know, not being able to see me in some weekends, right? Especially yeah. when there's a, you know, tech issue, right? Yeah. You know, going on, let's say, vacations. I remember going up one time to La Union and then I was driving and, you know, my CTO calls me up for this mm. tech issue. Oh right? my God. So I've had to, uh, my wife and I- All hands switch. all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so I mean, that happens all the time. Uh, no, mm. I, I didn't feel I had enough time for to, to celebrate Christmas also. Uh, back then, but you know, we we still uh, had some quality time, a lot of quality time with my my wife and kids, right? And, and they're obviously the the inspiration for me in doing all these things, right? Right. Sounds good. And again, you ran this for almost four years, three yep. years and ten months. Yep. But what was the 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 final thing that you guys again? Because you can. Just like also every founder, eventually you'll realize that you will probably not the right guy anymore yeah, when you yeah. get to a certain point. That's and right. That's finite. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the, the fact, there, there's no forever in startup, unfortunately. That's right. Okay. It's only the hustle that's forever. It's mm. unfortunate. Also, just like change. Mm-hmm. Right. And how did you decide it? Right. Maybe it's time for me to yeah. then to right, take on right. a new, a new, a new thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so exactly. Right. My personality is zero to one and one to 100. Got it. Um, you don't, you won't see me running, let's say, a fintech organization with 10 million customers or mm. 50 million customers, right? That's not me, right? Uh, get a get a brand manager from FMCG. <laughs> 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 yeah, but if you want uh, to create, right? If you want to disrupt, you know, business industry, right? You you call on me, right? And so, there you go. When we when we hit, you know, when we had 500 people, when we had uh, 7 million customers, when we were at 20, 25,000 points of presence all over uh, the Philippines, right? Uh, so the the job was, okay, what's the what's the next set of strategies for the organization? Right. And like I would say, okay, now, now it's time for a different kind of, of CEO. Right to lead this journey or the next phase of this journey, right? Got it. And then at the same time, my my realization was all these years, right, working mm. in the fintech space and working with the unbanked sector. My big mm. realization was still, you know, a lot of these people were not only underserved from a banking or financial services standpoint. In fact, they are underserved in almost all aspects of their lives, right? Whether it's education and, yep. you know, healthcare, even transportation, right? The, you know, the ability to, let's say, buy a house and fin- finance it, mm-hmm. content, etc. There's so much, right? So I, I said to myself, okay, I, I want to do something much broader than just fintech, right? And that led me to this whole idea of, um, 
you know, working in several different verticals at the same time and, you know, right. doing venture and, you know, exploring something that's closer to initially what I had intended to go back for. Right. Here that's amazing. And that actually led me to, you know, partnering up with the Filmvest group to mm. create uh, and launch FDEP, right? Which is Got it. the innovation and venture arm of the group. Yeah, and that's amazing. And literally, this is right before the pandemic hit. And mm-hmm. again, the Phil Invest Group, they're everywhere. Uh, I, during the pandemic, I permanently moved here in the South. And of course, you're, you're, you can't go to the South into the Alabang area without Phil. <laughs> basically, that's Phil Invest turf, right? right? From right. festival everywhere, vacation, hospital, and everywhere, everything else. That's, mm-hmm. that's all Phil Invest, right? And obviously, up North, they're everywhere. The Gutiannon family has done an amazing job. But again, you're right. You, they probably needed to transform and digitally transform a lot of their legacy businesses mm. from East West mm. Bank. I don't, yeah, I don't even know all the, the companies. Yeah. The we, have, uh, we have 90 different operating what? companies, right? In many oh different verticals, obviously including what you mentioned, the bank, bank insurance, yeah. real estate, of course, we're into what else, things like Crimson. Right, uh, Crimson. Quest, right, it's part of the right. umbrella, agriculture. Yeah, even infrastructure, power, all these things. That's oh, Clark. Amazing. Clark is part of the group's portfolio. What? Again, yeah. uh, just feeling this. Just see the, the logo. You can. I, I I love driving around, even in this annoying traffic, and you just see the logo everywhere as well. But again, before we take our last break, I'm pretty sure you had that conversation with the family or, mm. or with uh with whatnot. And is it reminiscent of that conversation you had when True Money started out? But what <laughs> was the different challenge? This time, mm, yes and no, yes and no. Uh, same and very different at the same okay. time. Uh, so I think what's what's the same is um, you have uh, a big ecosystem to work with, meaning you have the support of a big parent, right? Mm-hmm. And you, what you wanted to accomplish. Okay. The the difference I would say is my previous shareholders. Um, they were probably more progressive in terms of how to adopt technology in their strategies, yeah. right? Whereas I think generally here in the Philippines, we're still lagging behind, right? Yeah. So, so I think that is the, the big challenge. That is amazing. All right, now let's circuit last week. And when we come back, we will now talk about the hustle behind FDEV and the type of stuff that this guy's already doing, especially what he did during the pandemic. And of course, also what he likes to do on the side when he's investing in other startups. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Crowd Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and 
HRD. So visit sprout.eh payroll-turner-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with GCash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named Fintech of the Year at last year's Philippine Fintech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from the break. We are still with Xavier Mazzana. That told us the amazing, amazing journey that he's done. Uh, again, there's not a lot of people that have uh, been here, and I'm glad you agreed to this, especially during our fifth anniversary season. Super perfect timing, right? But now we're in FDev, and you said that mm-hmm. you know, um, with 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 
conglomerates, there's going to be a bit of resistance depending on what you're trying to mm. innovate on, mm. right? So a couple of things I wanted to know, right? This happened, you got in pre-pandemic. Yeah, actually during and now, the pandemic. Yeah, the, the year during the pandemic. pandemic. Yep, yep. How did you even convince them? Because a lot of people, they're, they're, the, the typical move that I saw mm. for big conglomerates is very few were prepared. A lot of them were shell-shocked. So there's just analysis paralysis all of a sudden mm-hmm. and panic in between. They're lucky they had you. What was the first steps you had to do during the pandemic when the infra probably didn't even yeah. exist? No, so th- to be honest, uh, it's still establishing the infrastructure. right? Yeah. I think first year of the pandemic, it's still... Again, there wasn't... Um, any prior there weren't a lot of prior digital initiatives right? yeah so it was still back to basics during the pandemic right, right? Mm-hmm. so establishing the ability for online collaboration right mm-hmm. um making sure that even if people are working from anywhere and everywhere you're still secure right so a lot mm-hmm. of foundational stuff and like obviously this is this was still the realm of it Right. right. Well, what were the very first uh, pivotal things yes. that you that you guys invested on that really yeah, yeah. started to get the the ball rolling? I, I think um, if you if you look at how big conglomerates are responding to this call for innovation and transformation, right? I, I think the very first thing that you'll notice is they would put up VC funds, right? Yeah. Like CVCs, essentially. Yes. Right? Uh, so that was also sort of the first step that uh, ah. we wanted. We wanted again. We wanted to talk about uh, with the family, but at the, after some months of discussion, we felt that it wasn't sort of the right strategy for the group. But what made sense was the group wanted to run after very specific tech-driven opportunities. Right. Mm-hmm. In a lot of different areas, right? For example, in financing, in, you know, B2B, where we can leverage our ecosystem, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Do a uh, sort of digital banking service, et cetera. So we helped. So the very first uh, sort of innovation led strategy that we did for the group was to venture build. Right mm, to establish. That's why that's the model. Yeah, so that was the the model that we started with uh, during the pandemic, right? Okay. And and a lot of what we did were situated just outside or just adjacent the core businesses, right? The core Makes companies. Sense. So, for example, with um, with Como, we initially we also helped uh, sort of establish strategies market right. for Como, which is now the digital. Banking app of East West, right? Yep. Um, so if you look at East West, obviously it's a lot of the business there is still driven from the stores, right? And we have right. one of the widest store networks. Yeah. But then the organization also wanted to get more younger demographics, which are yes. attuned to Obviously, digital-based experiences. You guys even advertised in my podcast at one point during the pandemic. Oh, nice, nice. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so there. So very similarly, right? So we would work with a lot of the different operating companies, right? To 
sort of identify a business opportunity that is driven by digital. Um, while, while during the pandemic, a lot of the foundational IT infrastructure and, you know, developing new digital channels mm-hmm. were the focus of our core businesses. Makes sense. Got it. So in that said, now the, that's really coming into to, to form. But mm-hmm. I want to understand. So venture building, if that's the model, right? And if a typical venture builder, say like uh, the other venture yeah. builders that we've seen, there needs to be like venture partners or CEOs or founders per mm-hmm. company. Right, right. Is that also the amount, the, the approach that you, yeah. you got? And what did you look right. for in these people that you'd hired mm-hmm. To create these companies in house. Yeah, yeah. So, so great, great question. So initially, we started out with us internally in the team, okay, as the sort of founders, okay, right. But uh, towards uh, sort of after a couple of years, uh, we then started working and bringing in external founders, right, to to work together with them to vet a certain business opportunity, venture opportunity, and then. You know, work with them to actually develop it, right? And what were these founders' backgrounds, and what were they like when you when mm-hmm. you got them into the fold? Yeah, yeah. So we obviously we we love people who already had tech backgrounds, okay. um, not necessarily engineers, right? But those right. who had exposure to, you know, let's say e-commerce or marketplaces or fintech, mm-hmm. etc. Because they would know how to get from zero to one, essentially, right? Because yep. there's a lot of experimentation that needs to happen there. So you need a mm-hmm. certain profile for that. Mm-hmm. But we also value experience, right? Right. We, we wanted to make sure that they can cascade their learnings and know how to a lot of younger people who are part Got of it. the different teams, right? Because you don't want to be in a situation where, uh, let's say you have a very young founder, uh, then you have the blind leading the blind in a way, right? So <laughs> I've seen that so many times. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we, we value the experience as well. And obviously part of it would be the ability to work with a large enterprise because of course. the key actually is to be able to leverage the ecosystem. Exactly. You have a cheat code. You have the the big conglomerate backing you up, right? And but that's also a balancing act. Just I've mm, seen, correct. You know, uh, there's going to be resistance from the old guard. Just there's going to be people, and you have to navigate that through. You know, some people that were, their mindset would be like, "If it ain't broke, don't fix it." Mm. Okay. <laughs> why are you Why are you changing what is not broken? Yeah. Right? But you're going to have to reinvent yourself for the future because it's inevitable change will disrupt yourself and it's better to disrupt it from the inside rather than outsider mm-hmm. disrupting you out of business that's right. right that's right now i want to understand now um from from the, the these things what are these products that you guys are building on because now you have an ecosystem a couple of years under your belt right, right and you are professor x Okay, you have always done this before, zero to one, but now at a greater scale. What are these things that you're now building in? <laughs> um, so, so I, I guess to contextualize that further and to add more depth to that, Ron. Right? Okay. So, after just building new digital ventures outside or adjacent to the core, right? What we're doing now is actually getting more, even more involved with the different operating companies. 
and helping them produce new digital products, experiences, etc. Right. So like in in the past year alone, for example, you know, we've probably started, you know, a dozen new projects, right? Different, different flavors from you know, helping, let's say, the bank come up with a new, let's say, corporate solution that helps with, uh, you know, business uh, accounting, for example, right? We've uh, sort of worked with our hospitality division to come up with this cloud kitchen service that leverages on hotel hotel and uh, like other kitchens that we have in the group to provide uh, sort of like catering, like a big commissary, yeah, like kind of thing. catering yeah. services uh, mm-hmm. for the group, etc. Uh, so, so, and and even today, we're exploring things that are related to Gen AI, right? Love it. So, with the with the mindset of being able to reach out to more customers, being able to serve them better, right? And again, I'm not. Uh, gonna say anything specific to a particular company because we're working on like several different mm-hmm. things at the same time. Right. right. But that, that again, that's the, the challenge there is once you already turn the corner, then it's just straight at that point. Right. You know, the, the hardest part is always the first few ones, getting all the nuts and bolts involved and get everybody to be on the yeah. same page. Yep. Well, once it's on, oh my God, this is gonna be true money and GCash all over. <laughs> I, I think uh what's what's critical, Ron, in these types of transformation situation, especially with uh, large enterprises, is this notion of a common language. Yes. Right? And and people, because to be honest, transformation is all about people. Correct. That's it. But at this stage, before we talk about your angel investing approach, right? What did you, I'm pretty sure this, this just made you so much better. What did you discover about yourself when you're now, you know, fighting or not fighting, pitching all these different uh, business units and, yeah. and whatnot? Because you have to be very diverse and be patient yes. to disrupt yes. the status quo. No, actually, um, it's it's patience, right? I, I've learned to be more patient. Got it. Well, when I when I started this uh, this role during the pandemic, I I wanted decisions to happen immediately <laughs> right and, and money wanted, style. yes and i wanted uh you know once you have an idea right you wanted to see it out in the market next month yep. right you have the eternal team develop it and then uh, you see it already uh mm. outside so that you can you know start experimenting etc mm-hmm. but i i realized that the experimentation is internal right to to try to figure out like how you can actually educate and sell the concept of innovation and transformation you know this new product that you experience etc right? makes a lot of sense now all right let's switch it up to your angel investing hat all right so that's while all of these are happening mm-hmm. you're obviously Angel investing, but let's lo- look at it from a macroscopic point of view first, mm. right? You've, you've you've seen it all, you've done it all, pretty much, right? But what are the looking at this Philippine startup ecosystem now? Right. What are the the, the opportunities that you see in the market? Because again, there's a there, there's not a lack of mm. fintech place out here. There's a mm. shit ton of them, right? And it's a good thing. Not not saying right. it's a bad thing, but mm. 
What's your opinion now in 2024 startup ecosystem from your, your yeah. from your point of view? Huh. Um, so so let me uh, touch on that a couple of different ways, right? Okay. Uh, I, I guess the the first lens is the types of startups okay. uh, and in which sort of spaces or opportunities. So I th- I still think that um, you know the despite the funding winter and you know the sort of the startup tech winter that we're experiencing today, mm-hmm. I think there's still a massive massive amount of startup and innovation opportunity absolutely that's existing right and i would i would love to see more founders work on really hard problems and yep. infrastructure problems right and and what i mean by that for example in fintech right the, i mean the last several years we've seen a plethora of payments companies right we've seen yep. a lot of lending companies right but not a lot of let's say open finance players mm-hmm. right working on making sort of money movements transfers right and data across several different parts of the ecosystem including banks of course right. um and, and making those more valuable to the different sort of stakeholders in the ecosystem, right? Because if you look at markets like Thailand and, and Indonesia, right, their markets are much more open and there's yeah. a lot more startups working on infrastructure, right? Enabling better payments, enabling better credit scoring, right? Etc. And I think we need that here in the Philippines, right? I mean, that's just in the fintech space. The the other thing is uh, I want to see more B2B players. Yes. I think if you look at the map of, again, I'll refer to fintech, right? If you look at the map of fintech in the Philippines, Mm -hmm. the last several years, majority of it are still B2C players. Yes. Right? But if, if you think about it, businesses, right? And you have 99 point something percent who are MSMEs, right? Mm-hmm. And they are the ones who need help from a financial services standpoint, from a financing standpoint, from an operating efficiency standpoint in order to compete better in this more global and regional market, right? So, so we want to see more of those players as well. Now, for those startup founders or startups that you've seen has promise, of course, you've written a few checks up to you if you want to share which ones and whatnot. But what are the common denominators mm. over the startup founders that you feel are investable, especially if you're going to cut them your own angel check? Yeah, so so uh, I think number one is uh, their experience, right? What, mm. what have they gone through, right, that would make their current startup more successful or have the higher probability of becoming a success, right? Mm. Because if you're, to be honest, if you're a first time uh, startup founder, right? <laughs> you're, you're very ambitious, obviously, but like, I, I really question what learnings you've had, right? Unless, you know, you've had a difficult, you know, life journey so far and you've been able to cope with it, right? Mm. Overcome any hurdle in front yeah. of you, 
right? I, I think that's important, right? How, what's your ability to hurdle hardship, right? Yep. And to me, that measure is, okay, have you done a startup before? Correct. Right? So, so that, you quit after you get punched in the face of the person? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, or correct. how many times did you get back up? Correct, right? correct, correct. It's always yeah. this notion of uh, iteration, Right. Correct. You know, I, I don't care if you failed. I don't care if you made this mistake before. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what did you do after that? Right? I think that's, uh, that's extremely critical. Uh, and I, I think the other, the other aspect that I look at is, especially for a tech company, obviously you need to have a tech founder if you're not one yourself. I mean, a technical Correct. founder. Mm-hmm. Right. I've met a lot of, um, you know, first time founders or even experienced entrepreneurs, right? Who are getting into the tech startup world. And the first question that I ask them, who's developing? Oh, you know, I outsource it to this company, right? Um, I I think you need to own your tech, your product, right? Mm -hmm. You need to be able to have the ability to iterate it into whatever that can work. Right. Exactly. So if you don't have the tech capability in house, right, then how are you going to do this whole journey itself? Exactly. That's amazing. But is there any other intangible that you also see a common denominator over? Mm. Uh, is there is there any vertical you do like investing in? Or is it because um, of say your experience right. in fintech and whatnot? Yep. Yep. What is that like? Yeah. So I'm I have the philosophy of um, not investing in things you don't understand right Makes so <laughs> i i know how to i know how to make fintech work right yeah. so i would invest a lot in fintech right mm-hmm. uh, i would take a look at companies in fintech uh, locally globally etc b2b as well i've had uh, a lot of experience there and i'm quite familiar with um, uh that space and how you know in in uh Asia, in Southeast Asia, actually, right, there aren't mm-hmm. a lot of, let's say, SaaS founders or SaaS investors, right? A mm-hmm. lot of the B2B and SaaS investors are still coming from, let's say, the US. Right? Yes. So there have been very few companies here in the region uh, that are truly B2B, right? And, um, you know, I have some of them as part of my close network, so I can reach out to them as well to learn more about, you know, a certain business model, et cetera. Right, right. So I'm comfortable uh, investing in, in that as well. Yep. Right? And I, I guess third is um, because of my own experience with FDEV, right, and working in several different verticals, industry verticals, mm. and seeing how legacy businesses can, in fact, be transformed by digital, Right? right. So that's also one sort of area that I'm looking at, which is the digitalization of industries. Right. right. That's amazing. Okay. Now, uh, at the end of the day, right, you're, you're looking at all this experience and that experience that uh, Xavier has just really, just really just says how much value add 
you get as a founder if he get he gets to invest in you, especially if it's in these verticals. But typically, I wanna I wanna ask Xavier, what's your best? What's the advice you typically give mm. to founders that you decide mm. to invest on, or if not, even decide to invest on those ones that you know you, that you like, uh, you admire. Mm. But even if you don't cut a check, mm-hmm. you're rooting for them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, two things, right? I mean, number one is uh, get the tech co-founder. Yes. <laughs> Don't get please, please. Don't go. Yeah, Don't or, or that. you know, I, I tell them to um, like come back uh, once they have a tech team. Yep. Etc. And then the the second is uh, very simple. Talk to your customer, right? Because um, I've I always encounter pitches and, and founders who talk about problems in a very general manner. Right, you 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 know exactly who to invest in if the founder has many stories about their conversations or interactions with would be customers or prospects. Right, in 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 fact, that's the only thing as a founder that you need to be able to do early on, which is to keep on talking to customers, and then getting those insights and then putting it into your product right any anything else right um and my my theory is that will eventually lead to more revenues right absolutely if you solve somebody's problems they will gladly pay for it right or they will have nightmares if they lose you as the Mm -hmm. partner right so i would i would say that that should be their focus. Um, that's where they should spend majority of their time in. To, yeah. to be honest, I don't believe in joining, you know, accelerator programs or mm. you know hackathons at the stage where you have a product and you're trying to get some traction. Right. I think the only thing that you need to be doing is talking to customers and then talking developing to customers. The Yep. Right. And if you can get a sale out of that too, why the hell not? Of right. Course. That's the end of it. Yep. <laughs> You're already there. That's an opportunity. It's a lead. Get some money. If you can get them to pay you and talk to you at the same time, mm-hmm. that's the best way to get it done. But Xavier, before I let you go, all right, through through all this uh, the, this illustrious career that you've had, I'm pretty sure you had a lot of mentors mm-hmm. that, that helped you along the way. Just top of mind, what is the best advice that you received that you still carry along with you in the in your whole career? Well, I, I, again, I go back to when I came back here to the Philippines, right? Yeah. Uh, and you know, being able to have the opportunity to work with this guy Peter Bethos, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he's uh, was now the CEO my... of Seek FYI, by the way. Yes, yes, exactly. So he he always tells me to get the right people on the bus right um so it's, it's all about the people and um, and then at the same time he's also one of the very few people who i've met who is extremely strategic right he was also ex-consultant in a prior life right mm. uh, but at the same time he can out execute everybody else i love it right? so i think for uh, any successful founder, CEO, right? You need to have both, right? To, to be honest, I myself started out as a more strategic only person, 
but throughout the course of the 10 years, right? And when I first met Peter Bethos, I said, ah, I want to be like him. I also want to be able to out-execute everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, after this journey, uh, the past decade, right, uh, I can also say I can out-execute anyone else. That is amazing. What an amazing episode to start our anniversary season. I'm super duper honored. Uh, again, um, Xavier, that you joined us in no, Grace thank last you. year. Amazing hustle. But before I let you go, if people want to work with you, work work under you in FDEB, where do they uh-huh. go and how do they do that? Yeah, they should uh, just go to my uh, LinkedIn and just shoot mm-hmm. me a message. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll gladly respond. There you go. Yes, he is one of them nice peeps that actually <laughs> respond when you message him. But before I let you go, uh, Xavier, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to in, in, in any type of podcast app you're listening to. And again, it's, you, if we did say some jargon, it's going to be the show notes on hustleshare.com. And again, big shout out to our premium supporters like Angelo Lee, Gab Abbott, and all the other brands that support us to keep doing great content like this for five years on now. Oh my God, I've been on your ear for a very long time. Oh, congratulations. And again, if you want to join them, thank you so much. Please do check it out and support us at premium.hustleshare.com. Again, Xavier, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, appreciate the time. All right. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. 